the creepy red room in the movie Cube, it's the IGN Digiguys. Please welcome two men who never even saw the movie Cube, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Well, I wish I hadn't seen the movie Cube sometimes. Bob, who sent that one in for us? Lord Bomont S. Dragons. Mm. Come on, really? Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Come on. No, really, that's his name. Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you. Lord have mercy. It's too funny. Lord Bomont S. Dragons. That's not his name. I know. He's he's written us before. I enjoy it. It's a a good name. It is a good name. Whether Whether it's real or not, it's a good name. So you, you were you were uh, engaging before the show. I should let our listeners know that you were in, you and the microphone, or rather your goatee and the microphone, were having a very unnatural relationship. Oh, this is a great way to start the show, Wade. It's so interesting. <laughs> is there nothing else to talk about? <laughs> not really. Can is going on, and we're not there because we're here because we're doing the podcast. We are. That's right. We are so dedicated to bringing you. By the way, this week lots of Blu-ray goodness. It's been a little. Uh, I know. It's it's uh, well. A, a number of companies have uh, have gone kind of bananas on some catalog titles, and so we've got some good stuff this week. Some good TV stuff. A lot of kid stuff, which uh, I'd love to get out of the way at the top. Do it, Wade. Get out of the way. All right. Here we go. We're gonna knock through this kid stuff right away. Uh, you know, we got a Sesame Street thing here called uh, Elmo's Travel Songs and Games. And uh, I uh, friggin' Elmo scares me, man. He just, he really scares me. But uh, look, driving with the twiddle bugs. This is not for children. That a twiddle bug cannot be family friendly. That cannot be something that is good for anyone who is under 18. It just can't. Uh, but, you know, look, whatever. It's uh, the, the, the. Keep the, going, Wade. Yeah, never mind. Freaking Elmo, psychotic, strange puppet. And then we got a couple of uh, Shalom Sesame deals, which are, of course, the... Uh, I know, love those. They're great. This is from Sisu. And this is the, uh, you know, the, the Hebrew version of uh, Sesame Street, endorsed by Sesame Street. This is volumes 8 and 9. Um, and it's always cool. I enjoy this. Even though I am not Jewish, I still enjoy this because I enjoy the cultural specificity of these. Volume 8 is Grover Learns Hebrew. Check it. <laughs> You love that. Oh, Rick, I saw it tonight. Exactly. And Deborah Messing shows up on this. Good Jewish girl. Oh, I used to love Deborah Messing. Yeah. Well, when she, she first came on the, the scene, I thought she was the most beautiful thing in the world. She, I still think the world of her. She's uh, basically Lucy. She is. She's our new Lucy. And then volume nine is a countdown to Shavuot. I, I don't even know what Shavuot is. Mark, help me out here. You, you're kidding. I'm the worst Jew in the world. I don't okay. know what Shavuot is. Well, anyway, this is, this is volume nine. And, uh, it, you know, there's a, there's, a whole, there's a whole cultural background to this. And look, hey, even if you're not Jewish, check it out. You know, there's a whole bunch of these. And I, I've been trying to get some of the others, some of the other global Sesame Street things, because they're, they're fun to look at, you know. They, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Uh, one thing I don't like, I don't like Barney. Barney freaks me out. Alphabet fun with Mother Goose is just freaking wrong. Um, this is the uh, the Barney Mother Goose collection, and it's a DVD with a music CD and an activity book. And the DVD is fine. It's Barney, but it's this, it's this activity book, Barney's Alphabet Fun with Mother Goose, that absolutely freaks me out. It's just, I don't know, it's wrong. Take a look at that, Mark. Tell me, tell me what's wrong just with the drawing itself. The drawing itself. Something deeply disturbing about the drawing on that activity book. Uh, there's a goose who is staring at a certain part of Barney's Th- That's anatomy. it. Thank you. Uh-huh. Exactly. It's a little above, it's a little belly buttonish more than it is crotchish. I'm sorry, but it's just I look at that and to me there's just it's like the artist said I know what I'm going to slip this past him. It's wrong. It's very wrong. It's almost lewd. Um, what else we got here on the kid uh, kid front? Uh, all aboard. This is um, you know if your kid is a train fanatic. Then this is from the um, I Love Toy Trains show, which I have never heard of, frankly. But um, apparently it's, you know, this is from TM Books and Video. And uh, I, I am not a huge train fanatic, but this is, a, uh, this is like a 14-part series. And this is one installment of it, All Aboard. And, um, you know, kids and trains, go figure. You know, our friend Dave used to be a big train guy. And when we were kids... 
uh, he'd he'd like drag everybody to the 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 toy train the, the train hobby store over in Culver City and force everyone to sit around there for hours while he like looked at little engines and tracks and well he, switching he and mechanisms. I, he and I as recently as about ten years ago he yeah. dragged me to the train store on Sepulveda. See, that's the one. That's the same is one. Is that the one? Is he still going there? Well, this is ten years ago, but it was it was it's the one on Sepulveda and like in Palms or whatever that's it. it's called. Yeah. My gosh, he's it, really yes. That's like thirty. He's still into. Wow, that's amazing to me. Well, anyway, Dang all right. Nabbit. There you go. I mean, there's you know some of this stuff is very impressive, but uh, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a train hobbyist. Uh, yes, you are. I just kind of look at this and I, I kind of admire it from afar. But hey, you know what? I for the, the whole get the whole series. Uh, then we got uh, Go Diego Go. You know, Diego is from the Dora the Explorer series, and uh, we got a Dora title in here as well that we're going to talk about. But uh, Diego Saves the World is Diego all solo, doing his thing, rocking and rolling around the world, man. He, there's a bunch of episodes here, six uh, little globetrotting adventures with Bengal tiger and Egyptian camels and humpback whales. Man, he get that Diego gets around. He shames Dora. Wait, it, when you get through with this uh, yeah. this children's stuff, which yeah. I couldn't care less about, I'm going to reward you. What are you going to reward me with? I'm going to reward you with the details on the Citizen Kane Blu-ray coming out. You know, we're, we're going to announce the... Oh, that's cool. We're also going to announce the winners of our uh, our giveaway last week we for, are? The, uh, for the Spike Lee doc. Okay. Yeah, baby. And then uh, Wild Kratz Creative Adventures. You ever... You ever uh, Wild Krauts like Germans? No, this is from PBS Kids. This is from PBS Kids. These starring the Kratt Brothers... K R A T T. You familiar with this? Oh, I love them. Martin, Martin, and Chris. Oh yeah. This is also globe trotting stuff. Chris Kratz. There you go. Uh, anyway, this is a uh, you know it's a little bit like the Diego thing. They're uh, you know just uh, animal adventures all around the world. Pla- Platypus Cafe is one of the adventures. Mark Platypus Cafe. Wait, put that DVD. Mystery down. of go, the Squirmy Worm. Go to the next one, please. Mystery of the Squirmy Worm. No one cares. It's totally great. Did you see Saturday Night Live? By the way, you know I saw a clip of the ambiguously gay duo. That was unbelievable. Is that what you were talking That's about? That's what I was talking about. That was unbelievable. It was funny. Th- that because you really want to know how far they were going to go because the cartoon obviously is is well they double, triple, quadruple entendre time. Yes, and they haven't done one of those cartoons in a long time. But when it went live action with yes. all of the celebrities. And they spent some money on that. Oh yeah, I mean it was unbelievable. That was, was funny. That was great. I mean Jimmy Fallon, John Hamm, uh, that was pretty great. Colbert was in that. Colbert too. was in that as well as yeah. one of the villains. That was pretty great. That was pretty great. Uh, we hate the new Garfield show. The uh, the Garfield show. This is private I hate adventures. Every, I hate every Garfield show. I hate Garfield. Yeah, this is. Uh, oh look, he's gonna kick Odie off the table. Woo! He eats lasagna. He eats lasagna. What cat eats lasagna? None ever. <laughs> this Why is, is that funny? <laughs> This is five episodes from this show. It, it just it doesn't really work. But um, anyway, you know, there's nothing else on it. So if you love Garfield, you'll you'll vibe like crazy. You know, I, I just realized that since I I, uh, I canceled my subscription to the LA Times, yeah, I've not read Get Fuzzy in months. Get Fuzzy is yeah, hilarious. The Fuzzy. best, the best uh, uh, comic representation of a cat ever. Sean the Sheep, of course, from the uh, the in one. In fact, I'm going to check getfuzzy.com while you. Read, read the rest yeah. of the stupid stuff. Sean the Sheep stuff. from the good people at Ardman. Uh, you know, look, it's not it's not Wallace and Gromit, but it is it is really good animation. I mean, we love anybody uh, any of the stuff that Ardman does. And this is from Hit Entertainment through Lionsgate. Uh, we are you know the quality stop motion animation. I dig it. Sean the Sheep it gets a little old sometimes, but this is a, a disc called The Big Chase. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's like motorcycles and ATVs and. Uh, Good animation, but still not not Wallace and Gromit That's level. Great way. Then uh, the Birthday Express is an installment of Thomas and Friends. This actually is kind of for the the super young among you. So I I'm not even I've given up on the uh, the Thomas and Friends stuff. This has like a little wi- well. Here's the thing, Thomas and Friends is it like if you're three years old, this is what you watch. So if you're if you're thirty or forty, you're just going to shoot yourself. And the thing that makes this a little troubling is that it comes with a whistle. And if you have a three-year-old and you give them a, a wooden whistle, you're insane. You're crazy. Do you know what kind of noise pollution you are inviting in the world? Well, you know, the, uh, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but the previous edition uh, of the Birthday Express, the um, Thomas and Friends, it came with a blowtorch. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. And then, of course, we have Dora the Explorer in Food with Friends, which, uh, you know. 
six and by the way this is not all Dora the Explorer they're just using Dora to brand this there are six installments of uh, shows from Nickelodeon one of them is a Dora show the other are Blues Clues Go Diego Go Wonder Pets uh, Yo Gabba Gabba and Nihai Nihao Kai Lan who's kind of like the um, the Asian Dora um, yeah, you know it's it's a little uh, grab bag of stuff from Nickelodeon they just do these to to give you cheap babysitting material uh, season one of the Wild Thornberries. This is uh, finally. This has been wanted for a long time by a lot of people. A lot of this is a big following for this series. Uh, Twenty episodes. Finally, the whole first season on DVD has not ever been released before. Four disc set. Um, creepy animation. This eventually, you know, they made that Wild Thornberries movie, which did pretty well. That feature film. That is true, and yet yeah. they've not made another one. So they've it didn't do that well. I don't know. I don't know what. The, maybe it has something to do with the animators. Who knows? Anyway, Shop Factory released this one. They always get some uh, some good ones. So that's season one. You know the rest is on its way, but it's still deeply disturbing animation. Just a few more of these titles before we get into the uh, TV and feature stuff. Uh, and what's on the Citizen Kane Blu-ray. And the Citizen Kane Blu-ray and the winners of our freaking Spike giveaway. Lee thing. Uh, Rainy Day Play. This is a disc for the Max and Ruby fans among you. Now, Max and Ruby, of course, are those white little bunnies on Nickelodeon. Stupid bunnies. And you just want to slice them open and cook them over a fire and barbecue them and eat them because we like rabbit. What? Maybe not. Uh, Four episodes here. Ruby writes, well, four kind of sets of stories, you know, because they break them down. Uh, Ruby's Rainbow and Max's Mud Pie and Ruby's Safari and Max's Mud Bath and Bunny Party and, you know, it's this skews super young. And uh, then we've got another collection of Dora Adventures. Now, these are all Dora Adventures. This is not a grab bag. This is, uh, it's haircut day. And, of course, on the uh, cover of the DVD, who's getting a haircut? Mark? Um, uh, uh, one of the uh, the monkey, one of the Jonas brothers. Thank you. Oh, he, but he's a purple monkey. Yeah, well, it's uh, n- nothing is quite the right color on on any of these cartoons. I want to write a children's story. Wait, let's let's write a children's story. If you and I wrote a children's story, we would be arrested. No, 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 no. We would. It's so easy. There once was a tree, and the tree said. Every leaf is like my brother. You're thinking too hard. The, huh? You're thinking too hard. The, one, of these, one of these episodes is entitled Baby Winky Goes Home. Okay. I, you, honestly, you couldn't think of something on the order of Baby Winky Goes Home. I, I probably could. There once was a baby, and the baby said, I love birthday cake. Well, when your birthday comes along, we should get you a birthday cake. But it's not my birthday now. No, it's your birthday in six more weeks. You can't have a birthday cake if, until it's six more weeks. But I want to have a birthday cake now. And the mom says, well, you can't have a birthday cake because it's not in six more weeks. And then the, the kid no. plots to have a birthday cake. And then, and then at the very last panel, the mom... The mom uh, buys a cake and it says, uh, uh, happy birthday, minus six weeks, and then everybody's okay. happy, and then I made a million dollars. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that there is really something just very sick about Barney, because this is, this is another Barney disc, and this is one I want to focus a little bit on. Uh, it's entitled, I Can Do It. Never before seen on TV, they claim. This is Barney, I Can Do It. And what is the tagline? At the bottom of the DVD, say, Mark. Go to hell, you jerk. That's exactly right. No, read it. Growing bigger means you can do it. <laughs> See, now, come on. That's a good one. <laughs> come on. Is there a... Growing pe- bigger means you can do it. I, I, seriously. Not growing bigger means you can't do it. And I mean, she, ser- And she will leave unhappy. Seriously. Seriously. Could we please address the people over at Barney and just ask them what kind of sick stuff they're trying to slip past the children? It was one thing when Sid and Marty Croft decided to do Lidsville, you know, okay, or H&R, Puff and Stuff. You get it? Puff and Stuff? I get it. It's all, they're all drug references being fed to children in the 1960s and 70s. Fine. Okay. It's the 60s and 70s. But seriously, growing bigger means you can do it. Look at, look at the – what? come on. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's deranged. It's sick, perverse stuff. But see, kids won't get it. Purple dinosaurs. Kids won't get it. The parents will laugh, and they'll feel safe buying it because they know the kids don't get it. I guess. Anyway, and then uh, this this is an interesting thing here. This is an award-winning Spanish for kids series that I had never heard of before. Um, It's from Whistle Fritz. It is Spanish for kids. Las Estaciones. The Seasons. And uh, this is for teaching little kids Spanish. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm, I'm ever going to take another look at one of these, but uh, you, you can go to, to Whistle Fritz, just like it sounds, whistle, uh, F-R-I-T-Z dot com, 
and uh, look at some of the stuff that they do. I, apparently, this stuff really works. If you want to get your kids like kind of along the way and learning foreign languages while they're very small, this is a very good series and a very good way to do it. So uh, the fact that it's an HD doesn't really make a hill of beans, but there it is. So a lot of stuff there to uh, keep those horrible, vicious, evil, small humans occupied while you enjoy television and Blu-ray. And Citizen Kane. Tell us about Citizen Kane, Mark. Now, it doesn't have a release date, Wade, but okay. we do know what's on it. Now, do you know what's on this? I, I, I know nothing about it. Citizen Kane, Wade, Blu-ray. This is the ultimate, okay. the ultimate edition. Now, what is ultimate about it, Wade? Okay. Not just the interview with uh, Robert Wise, who edited the film. Uh, not just the documentary, The Battle Over Citizen Kane. Not just the commentary by Roger Ebert and another commentary by Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, not just uh, opening night uh, footage and uh, press book ad campaign. Not just deleted scenes. Wade. What else? Not just the 1938 Mercury Theater broadcast of War of the Worlds. Not just that. Wow. This is, I mean, there's more? Really? Wade. You realize what this thing has. It has, now granted, it's just the DVD. It's not the Blu-ray of. It has the DVD of the Magnificent Ambersons. Comes in this Ultimate Collector's Edition. Now, the Magnificent Ambersons is another of Orson Welles's lost, failed, compromised masterpieces. It's a film that was never released in the way or in the cut that Welles intended. Nobody knows where that cut is. There's apocryphal stories about how somewhere in a trunk in Rio, there's Orson Welles' cut of Magnificent Ambersons, and all we get to see is what was released theatrically. And uh, it's included in this Blu-ray, Ultimate Collection uh, Citizen Kane. This thing is a must-buy. It is a must-buy. If you don't buy this, you don't love movies. I mean, that's really all it is. Because first of all, you get two films. You get Citizen Kane, which is Citizen Kane. Yeah. And you get Magnificent Ambersons, which is... Literally, even in whatever compromised version we, we've all seen, I, I've, it, seen, I, I've seen it projected. It, I've seen it's the whole never thing. been released before. So, I mean, hey, that's unbelievable. Isn't that bizarre? That's just weird. I guess, I guess that, I guess that um, they figure that there's no – which is bizarre. I wonder why they would think that there's no market to release just that film on Blu-ray, Magnificent Ambersons. Maybe if they came – maybe if somehow they found the uh, Orson Welles' cut – or maybe some lost footage that maybe Bogdanovich would incorporate into the film. Uh, I guess they just feel like there's no market for a magnificent, a magnificent Ambersons Blu-ray, which is very surprising. So they're folding it into the Citizen Kane Blu-ray. Uh, this is amazing stuff. You can actually um, you can uh, pre-order it on Amazon, although Amazon does not tell you what day it comes out. But it supposedly comes out in the fall as part of its 70th anniversary. So Warner Brothers, who, as you know, they tend to do a very good job on their um, their classic titles, is doing a great job on this. Kudos to them. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Friggin' brilliant. So that means fall means Star Wars on Blu-ray and Citizen Kane on Blu-ray. Wow. It's a big year. Tipping point. You know, it's funny because uh, Blu-ray sales plummeted in the last quarter, 44%, and yet Bl- or, uh, CD- DVD sales plummeted 44%. Yeah, I know. Blu-ray's up. And Blu-ray's up. And I find that to be really interesting. We, we've sort of hit that point. And I think even though we're technically for a lot, you know, technically out of the recession, for most people, we're still in recessionary times. Money's not flowing freely. So I think it's very interesting that um, Blu-ray is showing that kind of resilience even as DVDs fall to streaming. I think, it's, uh, I think there, there's a, a collector's market that is showing uh, real, real promise there. Well, because I think that uh, Blu-ray, as opposed to Laserdisc, yeah. Which really didn't have any other uses other than a laser displayer. Yeah, exactly. You've got Blu-ray, which hopefully will be in, com- be in computer laptops someday. Yeah. Or desktop computers someday. PlayStation 3s play well, Blu-rays. I it, mean, there's a lot it, of other uses for Blu-rays. Here's also what I'm really curious to see. You know, I'm, uh, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm pestering Sharp to let us test their new 70-inch television. I'm really curious to see how the Blu-rays, uh, I want to I see what the, t- what the top-of-the-line state-of-the-art oppo does when it's connected to a 70-inch Sharp RGBY television. Because, you know, that's the big deal with Sharp, right? I don't know if it's a gimmick or not, but it's not just red, green, blue. It's red, green, blue, and yellow. They added yellow in there. Yes, to... because uh, they had Mr. Sulu do exactly. the commercial. Yes, that's right. right? Oh, my. He did, yeah. right? Yes, exactly. Which I thought was weird because they added yellow and they had an Asian actor doing the... 
Yeah, and not only not only that, not only that, but Seriously, it's like, does that not, is that not odd or is that it's it's is, a little is that a coincidence? It's I it's don't know. It, it it has to be a coincidence. But the thing that disturbed me a little bit more about it was that here's a guy who's kind of become an icon for the gay community because you know he was I mean really if you think about it he was like the first major gay actor on television even though he wasn't out and uh, then he came out and he was you know he became very much a gay icon and really went a long way to sort of bridging the the gap between understanding and misunderstanding and uh, and then they had him act unbelievably stereotypically gay on that commercial which kind of disturbed me you know awesome you know but anyway um so we got yes yeah i don't want to hear i can do that you know why last night i went to a bar and it was very loud and i was uh losing my voice so today i can say things like Oh my! Well, we got three winners for um, in our uh, Spike Lee contest. Oh my! For if the creek don't rise, and uh, we uh, here are the winners. Well, I'm going to read them in row. Jason Maxwell wrote us. Jason Maxwell, you're our first winner. Oh Please my. send us your mailing address so we can send your DVD out to you. He says, "I think that uh, do the right thing is my favorite Spike Lee joint." See, he uses the right lingo. It's a Spike Lee joint. They're not movies. They're joints. Spike Lee wasn't a filmmaker I had much exposure to growing up, and until now, my uh, uh, and until my now wife and I started dating, I hadn't ever watched a single one of his movies. I'm a white guy, and my wife is black, so we had a fair number of uh, wait. You haven't seen blank, insert the name of movie title here. Moments. Do the right thing was great. The interracial conflict was grounds for interesting discussion about perceived racial differences. I'd probably rank his other films I've seen Malcolm X, Crooklyn, School Days, then Jungle Fever. The attitudes about interracial dating just weren't what I saw as reactions to my own interracial relation, uh, interracial, interracial relationship. Wow, that's a tongue twister, interracial relationship. Uh, granted, our relationship wasn't formed through infidelity, but even here in the South, there weren't any negative reactions or assumptions that the relationship was founded on exploration of sexual taboos. Keep up the great work. So, Jason Maxwell, congratulations. You are a winner. And then Dan Clark says, uh, hello, Digigods. There are Wait, a number- so you're saying that Dan Clark is a winner. Is a winner. Yeah, so Dan, go ahead and send us your, uh, your address as well. There are a number of Spike Gods at Digigods.com. That's the email, gods at Digigods.com. There are a number of Spike Lee joints I'm truly fond of. Inside Job, 25th Hour, Malcolm X, for example. However, the film I would call my favorite would have to be Do the Right Thing. Often the films we enjoy the most are the ones we can share personal connection with. Do the Right Thing fits into that category for me. While in college, the professor of my race relations in the modern era um, uh, class would often refer to this film. He would describe how well the film represented some of the core issues that divide us as people. How a simple conversation about the pictures of, of people on a wall can bring to light the ignorance of people on both sides. Not ignorance uh, in the sense of hatred, but ignorance in the sense of lack of understanding. And it goes on as a beautiful little uh, little essay he wrote here, and uh, really just first rate. So, Dan, thank you for that. And then our last winner is longtime listener Stuart Moncure, who said, I always... Stuart Moncure, oh, God, that guy. You know, he writes our intros. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, uh, he Skypes into he Stupid Skypes for Movies. He Skypes into Stupid for Movies. Yeah. He enters our contests. Jesus well, there you go. Christ. He said, I always thought that when the levees broke, uh, I always thought that when the levees broke might be my favorite Spike Lee film, even if it's more a documentary than an actual movie like Malcolm X or Do the Right Thing. I have relatives in Louisiana, and when Katrina hit, I was extremely concerned for their well-being. When seeing the slow response over the weeks after Katrina, I was upset because of what seemed to be colossal local and federal government blunders that destroyed people's lives. When the levee breaks was a powerful reminder of that chaotic time, but also reassuring in that so many people who lost family and home are still trying to rebuild from that horrible tragedy. Stuart, congratulations. Thank you for that. Send us your uh, mailing address as well to gods at digigods.com. And uh, we'll send your DVDs right off to you. Um, Mark, shall we... um Play a game. Shall we play a game? You're still in a war games mode. I love war games. I know you do. But that computer technology looks so ancient now when you watch the movie. It's like, wow, (laughs) really? I got got more technology in my watch. Oh come on! You know, there, there's more technology in your watch that than than was in the the, uh, the the spaceship that went to the blah blah. Yeah, there's more technology in 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 most children's toys. Is like the chipset, like, like, like the CNC 2011 yeah. has more uh, technology yeah. like than the, the Apollo. Like the chipset, the chipset in like a talking Elmo doll has has more data. It has more bytes and, and kilobytes and bits than uh, all true. of Apollo 11. It is true. It's, it's true. My my camera is more tech, more sophisticated. It's amazing. All right, uh, television or, or nude movies? Nude Did I say movies? nude movies? You know, oh, I, I, I was on um, I was on Netflix looking for something to watch and. Um, they had on offer the nude bomb, which I actually kind of like. <laughs> no, you don't. I do actually. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I kind of have a soft spot for that. <laughs> I, am, 
what do I do? Okay, you have a choice. You can get, you can see you want to give me this one, but you really want to give me this one. Uh, yeah, let me think about it. Oh. I'll think about it. Uh, well, Mark's, of course, talking about a couple from uh, Fox and MGM. There's some good Blu-rays this week. There's some really good Blu-rays. Fox and MGM have uh, essentially pillaged Warner Brothers' uh, Blu-ray book idea. They've just stolen it, just flat out. I mean, it's shameless. They just said, you know, we kind of like what you do with those Blu-ray books, so we're going to do that too, and we're not even going to hide it. So we have a couple of uh, new limited editions uh, in the uh, Warner Blu-ray book tradition from Fox and MGM. And uh, that would be the uh, aptly matched uh, The Hustler, the Paul Newman, uh, Jackie Gleason classic, black and white, by director Robert Rawson. And uh, the film that everyone would think to pair it with, uh, which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Cameron's The Terminator. Right? I mean, same audience. Oh, totally. Yeah. You realize who... who, who There were two actors who were up for the role. Yeah. uh, In The Hustler. Yeah. Eventually played by Paul Newman. Yeah. Uh, Didn't work out. First one, Jack Lemmon declined the role. Really? Did you know that? I did not Jack know that. Declined he declined it? Yes. Wow. That's fine. And then um, the second place was um, Cliff Robertson. No kidding. I kid you How not. about that? Well, anyway. These are pretty great. And then there's also a couple more in this series, uh, oh. which are less funny. Uh, the Usual Suspects, which is the last film that I actually saw six times in a the theater. I have not gone to see a single movie that many times in the theater I remember. Since. I remember. When, when did this movie come out? 1994 or something like that? No. When did this movie come out? I don't remember. Uh, Let me see. What is it? Hang on. Hang on. Uh, you put me usual on the spot there. What is it? 97? 97. <laughs> 95. 95. I remember Somewhere talking now. to you in 1995, and you were like, I've, I remember you said this. You said, I have seen this movie four times because I have to see if there's any holes in his logic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there weren't any. No. It, the, the script is great. It's terrific. It's wonderful on so many levels. Uh, and it won an Oscar, and he has like had no career as a writer since. Uh, you know what? He's just... He just foundered all over the place. He does well, Superman, he, then the Valkyrie, and then well, well, no, you're talking you're talking about Brian Singer as a director. Oh, you mean um, I'm am t- talking about uh, Kevin Spacey? No, no, the writer. Uh, what's oh, Macquarie. His name? Yeah, Christopher Macquarie. Yeah, he's just it's like all over the map. It's very strange. And Pete Postlethwaite, of course, is now dead. So anyway, we're all over the map on these. The fourth one here is the Comancheros, the John Wayne film, which is kind of the the lesser of all these. I mean, if you've seen one John Wayne Western, you've sort of seen them all. And The Searchers is the one you should really pay attention to. That being said, Michael Curtiz, you know, the director of Casablanca, does a very, very decent job. Uh, This is a beautiful-looking Blu-ray. It's, you know, it's perfectly fine. 1961, widescreen, fine, beautiful. I mean... But is it a brilliant film? Not really. Great commentary by uh, Patrick Wayne, who's John Wayne's son, you know, was an actor for 10 seconds, uh, along with Nehemiah Persoff, who played uh, Barbara Streisand's dad in Yentl, and uh, Stuart Whitman, who was an institution. And you know who else is in this movie and also participates in the commentary? Um, You're going to love this. We're, we're going to do trivia like mad, just to, to hell with the movie. We're just going to talk about Michael and Sarah. We're going to talk about Michael and Sarah. Oh, God. Because he played a Klingon. In Day of the Dove. In Day Day of the the Dove. Dove. That's right. And the other thing about Michael Ancera, you know who he was married to, right? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ancera. You don't know this. No. You really don't know this. No. Barbara Eden. Really? Yeah, their son. They had one son, and he committed suicide like five or six years ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it was really tragic, really horribly tragic. And I I, I remember thinking, wow, Barbara Eden and Michael Ancera, that's a pretty hot couple. You know, but they, but when the son committed suicide, it just kind of wow, it was really devastating. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, you know, this is perfectly fine. Lee Marvin's in this thing as well. I uh, usual suspects on Blu-ray and a nice uh, whiz bang limited edition, terrific. Extras none. So I don't know what to, you know. It's it's all it's a nice little booklety thing, but uh, otherwise, the Hustler and the Terminator. Um, give me, give me, give me. Not a lot on the Terminator either. Deleted scenes and a little flashback retrospective and all that. But the that is basic, rather bizarre. It's very strange. So, I mean, don't be deceived by the whole booklet approach. It's They aren't jammed with extras, but they are very, very good in terms of the uh, Well, the Hustler's got the some transfer. stuff in it. Yeah, the Hustler has some nice stuff. Uh, the Hustler's the only one that's really kind of packed up. thing I forgot about the Terminator, Hemdale was involved in the Terminator. Hemdale, the uh, yeah. production company owned by uh, the Beatle himself. Hemdale? I don't know. No, you're thinking of... Uh, thinking of the other one. You're thinking the, of... The, 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 the one that George Harrison owned. Yeah, no, no. That's working title. That's not working, that's not working, working title. Ti- but, uh, that's... Um, the, yeah, uh, the other one. What? No, Hemdale did uh, Platoon, Platoon and a few yeah. other things back in the 80s. And uh, one of the... A guy who used to be an executive with Hemdale still owes me $250. You know that. What? He owed me for like 20 years. He owes me $250. Yeah, you're mind. It's true. 
I worked on a movie. Handmade films. Handmade, thank you. That was George Harrison. Not Hemdale, Handmade. Boy, get your H's right. Uh, yeah, no, The the Hustler has a great commentary with Paul Newman and uh, film historian Jeff Young and, among others, our friend. Grumble, grumble, grumble. For Christ's sake, people. Grumble, huh? grumble, grumble. What are you talking about? Grumble, grumble, grumble. Who uh, grumbles? Curmudgeon. Uh, r- r- yes. No. R- grumble, grumble, grumble. Um, who? What are you talking? Who, when you you get emails sent to the group, what what emails just grumble at you? Oh, Richard Schickel. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez, shouldn't have been that hard. Uh, lots of featurettes, lots of old news, really kind of things. Uh, it's it's real fun. So I mean, this is a you know, look, the Hustler is just a terrific movie and way better than the Color of Money, which just never should have been made. Yeah, but it should have been made because it won uh, it won Paul Newman and his long-awaited Oscar. Yeah, whatever. I'm not saying he deserved it for that movie, but it did win him an Oscar. Um, Martin Brest's commentary is pretty much the only thing that distinguishes uh, Beverly Hills Cop on Blu-ray, which is really just a spit-em-out Paramount title. They did not put a lot of effort into this. Very disappointing Blu-ray transfer. I am hoping that they do this right the next time around. Still a really fun movie, but man, they just did not do it right. It, uh, It looks... Rushed. It's a fun movie. Fun movie, but it looks rushed. Really fun to watch again. I'm thrilled, but it looks rushed. Um, this was an interesting film. Uh, this is a Target exclusive, by the way. You can only get this at Target. This is uh, Bruce Beresford, the uh, Mao's Last Dancer. And uh, I actually like this. I don't know if you saw this, Mark. but um, I did not. I, it's, it's a very decent Blu-ray transfer uh, from Fox, who I would not have expected to give a, a really attentive, uh, really kind of you know go to, the, go to bat on this. But uh, Fox does a very nice job in the transfer. This is the true story about a Chinese dancer. It's honest, really fascinating story, who um, became this amazing legendary ballet dancer, uh, primarily, uh, well, there's a, there's a whole r- romance in the U.S. angle to it. And it, uh, it gets into a lot of those kinds of, um, it's a little bit almost like a Chinese Baryshnikov tale, you know? The way that you know when you when you when you come from communist China, you're not supposed to fraternize with the uh, the, the ugly capitalist Americans. They did White Knights with uh, with there Mikhail Brzezinkov and, and Gregory Hines. Hines. Sure did. <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, this is actually a you now it's not a brilliant film, but it's a it's a very solid film. And uh, Bruce Beresford still has his chops. You know, I uh, he Bruce Beresford really is distinguished as the only guy ever to direct an Academy Award winning Best Picture. Without actually being nominated himself. Oh, Driving Miss Daisy. But he wasn't even nominated. No. Like, that's why everyone wrote that film off. It was supposed to be born on the 4th of July. They're like, oh, Driving Miss Daisy is great. But he's not nominated, so doesn't have a chance. They just kind of broke down the numbers. And it just, in this weird numerical schnuckelfritz, it wound up winning Best Picture. And its director isn't even nominated. It's but al- weird. But also, don't forget, you know, uh, the Academy at that, at that time, even much less than today, was basically an, an, an old folks home. Yes. And... Driving Miss Daisy is a movie about old folks. True, late Academy, 80s. Late 80s. Folks. But that demographic changed within a few years when uh, yeah. when uh, Science of the Lambs won. Yep. I mean, literally, it Which was within great. within a couple of years. Bam, the whole thing shifted. Love it. Uh, Manchurian Candidate is terrific. We Yay. love this movie. Um, MGM's DVD is just all the same extras that are on the special edition DVD. Uh, they just ported everything over to the Blu-ray. Uh, you know, nice audio commentary with Frankenheimer. Thank goodness they got it down, but there's nothing else spectacular about this. The transfer's fine, not brilliant. Uh, let's uh, go through uh, the Misfits 50th anniversary, also from MGM. Uh, uh, Clark Gable's last film. I think it was, wasn't it also Monroe's last film? Uh, Monroe's last film was never finished. Well, that was the, um, what's it called? Uh, Everybody Loves yeah, Something. Yeah, that one. That thing, uh, something's Gotta Do it's, Something. Yeah, Something's Gotta Give. Yeah. Was it Something's <laughs> no, Gotta, <laughs> Everyone's Gotta Eat Something. <laughs> so, some, yeah, it, had, it had like a stupid name like that. Every, everything's Gotta Be on Top of the Misfits. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can see, you look, uh, Monty Clift looks not great in this. Monroe is clearly aging, and Clark Gable is already way aged, yellow teeth and the whole deal. But nonetheless, uh, you know, a, a significant film, uh, not, an, not a great film. but Something's got to give. Something's got to give. And, uh, you know, one of John Huston's last kind of big, you know, big high-profile films based on, uh, written by Arthur Miller. Great And yes, playwright. Misfits was Clark Gable's final film. Was his final film. Uh, we also got Horse Soldiers, another John Wayne movie. Look, seriously, this one, not that great. And it's a John Ford one. That which is I'm... strange that, that The Misfits would be Clark Gable's last film and Marilyn Monroe's last film. And the two of them represent two totally different eras Janine, in Hollywood. Yeah, they do. They do. 
I mean, look, I, Horse Soldiers is really loved by a lot of people. I just, I kind of find it a little bit tedious. Maybe if I watched it again tomorrow, I'd feel differently. Uh, but this was John Ford and John Wayne again. Not one of their very best, but it's adequate. Um, here, Mark, like, dive into some some television there while I'm uh, just finishing up a couple of these. Television, we place I want to split these up into in two batches because there's a few uh, titles in here that probably aren't really worth talking about this week. And we're going we're gonna to run short on time. No, we're not. Yeah, we are. Uh, a couple of foreign titles here from uh, Criterion. Pale Flower, uh, which is a, a pretty great Japanese film. Um, it's kind of one of the uh, more seminal films from the Japanese New Wave. And um, you definitely should check it out. If you're familiar with director Masahiro Shinoda, um, this is maybe Shinoda's best film. It is uh, a very difficult film to watch as it kind of takes a different angle on the Yakuza genre. And uh, it, uh, it, it's not just fun. It's not like Yakuza being cool gangsters and uh, aren't, isn't this fun kind of enjoy- this, this gratuitous violence. It's none of that at all. It, is, uh, it, it gets almost surreal and uh, it, as an allegory for the mistakes that we make in life, it can be a very, very disturbing film, but definitely worth watching. A lot of great extras on here, including an interview with Shinoda himself and a commentary on select scenes with Peter Greeley, who is a co-producer of uh, a movie on the music of the composer Toru Takamitsu. And then also, this is just one of the great things you're going to be thrilled with, the Blu-ray release of Clouseau's Diabolique, the original Diabolique. Forget about the remake. Not terrible, but not a great film. This is uh, Diabolique on Blu-ray. Looks gorgeous. Creepy. I saw this in my high school French class, and it has given me nightmares ever since. It is even better on uh, on Blu-ray. And a great, uh, great commentary here on selected scenes by French film scholar Kelly Conway, which is kind of the uh, the central thing. Um, and um, then the last one I'm going to talk about here as I kind of sort through some of these others, because we've got a lot of junk this week, too is a uh, Jackie Gleason and Steve McQueen pairing from the uh, Warner Archive collection, which you can find out about at warnerarchive.com. This is uh, Soldier in the Rain. This was made at the time by a company called Allied Artists, which was an attempt to kind of do what United Artists had previously failed to do. And uh, this film has completely fallen between the cracks. It was uh, co-written by Blake Edwards. And... uh, you know, not as funny as it ought to be, really, because uh, partly because Steve McQueen ain't, ain't really funny. But he's good, and Jackie Gleason is great. So, um, you know, kind of, I, I guess, as, a, as an odd tearing, an odd tearing, an odd pairing, um, you might want to check it out. It's not a great film, but it's, it's an okay film, and Tuesday Weld is adorable in it, as she always is. Mark, what do we yes. got in the world of TV? Oh, we have The Twilight Zone, season four. You know, The Twilight Zone is uh, one of the all-time classics, and it totally holds up. I'm sorry. I know it's in black and white, and black and white's lame, but I'm just saying it totally holds up. And as we have often said, whenever there's a Twilight Zone uh, DVD set, yep. that if you want to watch, if you want a master class in making a short film, not the UCLA short film that uh, your buddy no. did about the guy who does blah, blah. Twilight Zones are 23 minutes long, or whatever, and uh, they're great. Great writing by Rod Serling, who was a heavyweight writer at the time, and uh, it's great stuff. So uh, Blu-ray features include uh, all, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, audio interview with uh, the DP, 13 new audio commentaries, because you know there are a bunch of um, cast members and uh, crew members who are still around. Now, Mark Scott Zacree wrote like one of the, like, the classic Twilight Zone book called The Twilight Zone Companion, which actually I bought my father for his birthday years ago because he loved that he loved that thing. Now, some of this stuff is um, uh, is exclusive to the Blu-ray. Other stuff is not. The stuff that's not exclusive to the Blu-ray includes um, you know a bunch of Rod Sterling bloopers, which is really cool. Um, uh, sponsor billboards, which I, I love those old school sponsor billboards. Video interviews with Morgan Brittany and a bunch of other people from the show. Radio dramas, new radio dramas based on Twilight Zone scripts. And uh, it's good stuff. Twilight Zone Season 4. I love Twilight Zone. Love, love, love Twilight Zone. The best. Covert Affairs Season 1. This is a uh, this is one of those USA. You know, USA, I don't know what to say about their original shows. You know, they, 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 they feel like sub-HBO. They, 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 they kind of do. They feel basic cable-y. Oh, more than that. I mean, Piper Parabu is, is very attractive, and she's, uh, she's a CIA operative, and, uh, you know, she does her crazy stuff. 
And, um, you know, it's got a decent cast. Eric LaSalle, who's in ER. Lauren Holly, who used to be a film actress, and now she does yeah. TV. Yeah. And Peter Gallagher, who, of course, has been around forever. And, uh, you know, the bonus features include deleted scenes, a gag reel, a couple commentaries. And, um, you know, every episode, this sexy girl in, uh, in black tights or whatever uh, is on the run from the bad guys. So, you know, what? It's, uh, you know, it's not as exciting as some of the Fox, Fox stuff, like Human Target or 24. But at least this is female skewing, so they try to get kind of a female demo into that sort of spy thriller genre. And for that, it's okay, uh, but it's not my favorite. Also not my favorite is Royal Pains, which is a quirky uh, kind of a comedy lighthearted thing about this doctor who uh, practices in the Hamptons. Uh, his patients are all these I actually kind of I, I've grown to like this show. Really? Yeah, sort of have. I mean, it's very kind of whimsical. It's not to be taken all that seriously, but um, I just think that you've really – You've really scraped the bottom of the barrel in terms of things you can make TV shows about when you start making them about the doctor who uh, uh, practices in the Hamptons. True. I can see that. Now, Wade, what can you see about the Bionic Woman season two? It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. Absolutely the best. <laughs> so it has the crossover episode. It's, it's, it, I love it. Has it the crossover episode. I know. I know. It's the best. I love it. <laughs> the Bionic Woman. Come on. It's Oscar Goldman. Jamie Summers, and she teaches school until uh, she has to go do a job for the OSI. She wanted, you know, she, like, how great is that? You live, you live in an apartment above the garage of your bionic uh, astronaut ex-boyfriend, ex-fiancé in Ojai, just teaching, just living a quiet little uh, simple life, teaching kids until a top-secret government spy agency comes around and says, would you use your high-tech super skills to go run a mission for us? It's great. It's like every, uh, it's every woman's dream. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, it's a documentary. It is. When you think about yes. it. Yes. Uh, bonus features include audio commentary with um, Lindsay Wagner, who's still around. Yeah. And also Kenneth Johnson, the creator, is also still around, who also created uh, V. Right now, V, you know, the, 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 uh, the new version of V yeah. uh, just got canceled. Thank goodness. Seriously, yeah. what the hell were they thinking? You love it. I don't. Anyway. All right, that's uh, Bonnie Coleman. Okay. Uh, Flashpoint, third season. This, uh, this show kind of uh, limps along. This is not my favorite show in the world. This is very uh, strange. You know, it's, uh, it's about a. It has a following. It, it, do, it definitely has a following, a very strange following, but a following it, nonetheless. You know what? It's, it's, it's about this uh, strategic response unit that uh, takes down the bad guys. They dress up in like, you know, those, the crazy the like, strategically like, like, SWAT, like SWAT uniforms, all black sure. and, and, and badass looking. Sure. You know, it's just like another one of those shows. So I don't know what this gives you that a thousand other shows like it don't. Um, but the third season special features include a uh, behind the scenes video, a set tour. And a couple of deleted scenes, 16 episodes. It's uh, Flashpoint is uh, no one's going to buy that thing. I mean, let's face it. Come on, seriously. Um, the Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job is a cult uh, show that... Um, we don't understand. We, don't <laughs> we just don't get We did none of it. Um, I've seen some of their... Uh, it's season Cinco, by the way, on the box. Oh, well, that's lovely. Season Cinco. Good. Uh, season five of uh, Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job. And this uh, has a cult following. It's a show that I, I, that I find kind of funny. You know... I was watching um, uh, Oh by. I was watching uh, which is the the um, which is the show that we always make fun of Robot Chicken. Yeah. Can I say something about Robot Chicken? What? It's funny. Okay. I've turned the corner on Robot Chicken. All right. It's funny. Took time. It took time. <laughs> it took but eight seasons. Yeah, it of took eight chicken. seasons. But you're you finally figuring it out. Yeah. It is funny. I have to say. It can be. But it, which has nothing to do with their, their Tim and Eric. The, the, the problem is that, it, that it's funny to me in a way that that was funny when I was in elementary school, and I feel like when when you I watched haven't the show, left elementary school, you, you're still reliving Star Trek the motion picture yeah, in your head. That's kind of true, actually. Now the uh, the except for Twilight Zone, the Blu-ray of the week or the uh, DVD of the week in terms of TV is uh, All in the Family. Yeah. This is the final season. This is the ninth season of All in the Family. This, of course, is one of the all-time best shows in television history. Yeah, uh, finally, now, get it, finally getting the, these, these seasons out. Thank goodness. Now, by this time, I have to say, yeah. uh, the film had kind of run out of steam a little bit. Yeah, it was... It was uh, they it, introduced um, you know, Floyd, who's like Eve's yeah, cousin. Yeah. They introduced Floyd's daughter, Stephanie, played by Danielle Brisbane. Right, exactly, because you're, you're going to segue into Archie Bunker's place That's right. and all and that so, stuff. So yeah. Carol O'Connor and Danielle Brisbane did the spinoff show, Archie Bunker's yeah. Place. So here the show is definitely kind of running on fumes a little bit, but it's still all in the family, and uh, I don't care. This uh, final it's season good. had its 200th episode, 
and there's 23 episodes here. Um, Rock on. And also, what's nice from Shout Factory, because we, all, we, all, we always love Shout Factory, is the 90-minute retrospective, which is uh, yeah. kind of cool. It's very good. Ultimately, it's all in the family, and we love all in the family. All right, I have uh, I have broken the remaining movies down into two stacks here because yeah. because I you know there, there's stuff here that's good for cinephiles and then there's a bunch of junk for other people. Here's the stuff that if you are a movie lover that you got to know that it's out. This is the important stuff. Dead Man Walking on Blu-ray, also from uh, MGM. Movie. It's a great movie. Not a great transfer. Nothing on here other than the commentary by uh, Tim Robbins, which was out on the DVD. But as a Blu-ray, even though it's not brilliant, I would still recommend it because this is a really good film, and I'm so sick that Tim Robbins isn't really directing anything anymore. I mean, that last, uh, that, that, uh, that Orson Welles period thing just sank him, and it's very peculiar. So uh, he should be making movies again. This is an Oscar-nominated film, and it won an Oscar for Sean Penn, and it is an absolutely terrific movie. It is first-rate, and uh, Sean Penn has another possible award uh, contender film at Cannes right now, by the way, where he plays a, uh, a glam rocker. So, there is no way he would win for that because, you know what, the older members of the Academy yeah, will never yeah. vote for a guy playing a, yeah. a glam rocker. All right. It's too strange. True. But he may win an award at Cannes. And then uh, we got a couple of Otto Preminger films here that are released by Olive Films through their output deal with uh, Paramount. You know, that's one of the, the Olive has been really exploiting a lot of these library titles that Paramount, for example, just really has no interest in releasing. In releasing. And uh, Olive says, you know what? There's an audience for those films. We're going to get behind them. And Otto Preminger, the uh, amazing director. Uh, who, who is really best known to an entire generation, not as a director, but for playing Mr. Freeze on Batman. Um, wild. He was also in Stalag 17. Wild. He was That's in right. Stalag yes, 17. Yes, he was. He yeah. was in Stalag 17. A good actor. I like him. He's a good director. But as, 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 uh, as Mr. Freeze, it was great. <laughs> Batman. Wild. That's great. Anyway, these two Otto Preminger films, not among his best, but certainly, definitely, absolutely worth looking at. Uh, one of them is Such Good Friends, which stars Diane Cannon, James Coco, Ken Howard, and Jennifer O'Neill. Uh, Diane Cannon, you know, faithful Laker fan. Can't say anything bad about her uh, ever, really. Uh, so don't ask me to. This is from 1971, right at the tail end of Preminger's career. And uh, it's a very odd film based on a Lewis Gould novel, and it, uh, uh, you know, it's um, it's kind of, it, it's supposed to be funny in a weird, dark way. I don't know how funny it really is. But what I find interesting about this is that it was written, by the way, the adaptation, the screenplay adaptation, written by Esther Dale. Do you know who that is? Oh, my God. That's, uh, no, I know her uh, sister who got married. Elaine like, her May. Her name is Esther Jin. Es- e- Elaine May. Okay. Estrogen. <laughs> so Lane May. Uh, now, slightly better, and I would say even substantially better, is uh, Hurry Sundown, which uh, was based on another novel by K.B. Gilden and uh, adapted, co-adapted by Horton Foote. Now, Horton Foote, great writer, much better screenplay, and an unbelievable cast in this thing. This was made a few years early in 1967. This is de- a definite must-get. Really a terrific film. Um, it has it, John Philip Law in it. Well, it's one of those late 60s... It, you know what? It's one of those late 60s films that's, that sort of tackles all the race issues in the country, and it goes along with, you know, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and uh, In the Heat, of the, was a in pretty, the Heat of the Night, and all he, those things. He, but Premature, t- he tackled that stuff head-on. Like he did. The, Absolutely. An, anatomy of a murder, he tackled rape, kind of, yeah, like, a, like a rape you trial betcha. head-on. And he does it here, and I'm surprised that this wasn't actually uh, released pri- prior to this. Listen to this cast. Listen to this unbelievable cast. Michael Caine, Jane Fonda, uh, Faye Dunaway, Burgess Meredith, John Philip Law, Diane Carroll. <laughs> now, Jane Fonda and John Philip Law would yeah, well, would do another film together. Yes, uh, they would. Barbarella. Yes, they would. You betcha. <laughs> you better believe it. Uh, but Burgess Meredith, you know, I love the thing that you always said about Burgess Meredith. Uh, you, you said he's been 80 years old for the last 40 years at one point. Yeah, you know what's funny is that uh, actually I saw when I, when I recently, speaking of, actually speaking of Otto Preminger, I recently rewatched Advise and Consent. Yeah. And you realize who had their movie debut. No. I'm saying this because, A, it's Otto Preminger. Yes. And, B, it's somebody else who has been 80 years old for 50 years. Yes. Who's, who's that? Betty White. Oh, that, oh wow. That's Betty right. White has, like, one scene in Chambers yes. where she reads, like, you know, two lines. Like, she's the only female member of, of, of the Congress or whatever. Wow. And Betty White actually looks young. Wow. That's very well looking. at It that. was possible. My goodness. Unbelievable. Yes. All right. So, carrying on with the, with the remainder of this stack, now we're going to get into some uh, some movies that are yeah, junkier. All right, Mark. Uh, the other woman. Now, while Natalie Portman was um, shooting her Oscar-winning uh, uh, Black Swan, 
and her Oscar-winning Black Swan was being uh, edited, mm-hmm. uh, distributed, viewed by millions, beloved by many. Yeah. There was another film that she had done that was sitting on a shelf gathering yeah. dust. This film was The Other Woman. Oh, boy. And The Other Woman was uh, sat on the shelf for about two years, and thanks to the success of Black Swan, it wound up getting a VOD release, and then after the VOD release, it wound up getting a brief theatrical. And uh, there's a reason why the film sat uh, – oh, I just said that, didn't I? There yes. Is a, there is a reason the film sat on a shelf yes. for two years because it is incredibly melodramatic and mawkish and uh, is just they basically – They had to wait for her to win an Oscar in order to get any kind of marketing muscle out of it. Yes. It's, yeah. You know what? It, it, the, the movie is uh, directed by Don Roos, who is not untalented, and it is about uh, a woman played by Natalie Portman who becomes the other woman. She breaks up a marriage, mm-hmm. yes. and then the husband, the, the husband eventually winds up marrying Natalie Portman. And there's a lot of guilt involved because there's yeah. a son involved, and Portman feels like the outsider because she broke up his marriage, and you know the the pressure that comes with that, and the life that they're trying to build together. And the character goes through so much; it's essentially angst porn, right? And it's just too much. It's too melodramatic. It's just too much. It's uh, it's just heaping indignity upon this woman until you realize that it's just it's almost like it's just almost unfair. You just feel the thumb of the screenwriter and the director putting this woman through the ringer because mm-hmm. what I don't know why. I just don't know why. I don't know what pleasure is derived from watching this film. Yeah, okay. Uh, the DVD obviously is uh, crapped out as well because all there is on it is a trailer. And, uh, you know, Don Roos has done better films. You know, he did Balance. He did The Opposite of Sex. Um, you know, but once you start getting into babies' deaths and uh, and all this crazy and philandering fathers and, and yeah. what, all that stuff, it just it just it just it's just too much. Ah, uh, well, just, I like Don Roos a lot, though. I really do, and I, I love it when he works with Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, mm, uh, you like Lisa Kudrow, don't you? I do. I think she's a terrific actress really? when she's not doing Phoebe. You know. You know why? Uh, now we'll talk about the Blu-ray of the Right, and uh, you know why? Ugh. I love Anthony Hopkins. You know, this is kind of like Priest, uh, the older years, right? That new movie, yeah. Priest, that just tanked this last weekend? Well, you know, it's inspired by true events, Wade. Yes, of course it is. Exactly. Carry on. Uh, this, it's about a seminary student who uh, goes to the Vatican to uh, study exorcisms, and uh, he winds up uh, apprenticing with uh, this crazy Father Lucas, played by Anthony Hopkins. Uh, of course. Does Anthony Hopkins play anything but crazy anymore? You know why I love him? Because even when he's mailing it in, and you know he's mailing it in. Yeah. And he's almost subconsciously telling you he's mailing it in. Yeah. He's still great. Yeah. I just love watching him. You know what it's like? And the, it's, paradoxically, yeah. the less he cares, the more I enjoy his performance. Because it yeah. just shows how effortless he can be. It's, it, it, it's like watching Brando. Like, like, like late, late Brando, like Don Juan DeMarco Brando. You realize that Brando just couldn't give two S's about anything about acting. But yeah. he's so good that even when he doesn't give two S's, it's just like... He, it's just effortless. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the right. So uh, right. it's on Blu-ray, which is it's a good-looking Blu-ray, I have to say. Uh, there's a DVD and a digital copy. And there's an alternate ending on it, which is uh, whatever, nothing to write home about. Antonio Banderas trying to be an action star at a point in his career when it's really just, it, He's it's 50, over. Wade. He's 50. I know. It's over. Uh, Tony Kranz directed this thing where he plays a private eye who's hired by some Russian boxer to track down his girlfriend and all the jewels she took off with. Uh, you know, it's just one of those let's go to every nasty, disgusting cesspool part of Los Angeles and uh, attempt to do some kind of a postmodern noir thing. It doesn't really work. Uh, Banderas, he just he, he he writes it in. He phones it in. Um, a lot of great people in this cast, though. That's how they got this thing financed. I mean, you know, uh, William Fickner, Thomas Kretschmann. I'm sure he brought some German money along. Sam Elliott, Delroy Lindo, Snoop Dogg, who's in every single movie that uh, actually shoots in his hood after why not, you know? But whatever. It's, it, it ain't great. And uh, there's an audio commentary on here, but it's um, not, not anything to scream about. But I am going to scream about Justin Bieber Never Say Never. And here's why I'm going to scream about it. Because um, I, uh, I, you know, I really do loathe Justin Bieber. I don't have anything against him personally. You know, he seems like a perfectly nice Canadian twit. But um, really, just go away, please. This My, is, I have cousins uh, of the uh, young teenage age. Yeah. And they love Justin Bieber. Of course they do. Uh, but I don't. The hair's got to go. And, you know, one of these days, Justin Bieber, he'll, uh, he'll reach that point where he's a has-been, and then he just becomes a, uh, you know, a, a fat crack addict uh, who's going to get raided somewhere awesome. in a little uh, shanty town somewhere in Skid, Ray, Skid Row. I, It'll I happen. I can't wait. It'll happen. 
Meth will happen to you too, you you little jerk. Um, ah, whatever. I understand. People love him. It's all in jest. But uh, really, uh, this is just t- too much loving, too much adulation, too much narcissistic. How amazing am I uh, now that I've only been on this earth uh, just a few? Look, this kid was like friggin' he was a toddler when I went to my first Cannes Film Festival. I don't want to hear about it. He, he, he ain't nothing. Okay, uh, Vanishing on 7th Street is uh, a really unfortunate combination of talent that uh, really should be all in better movies. Tandy Newton and John Leguizamo really have to stop just Ooh, doing I love these. Tandy Newton. She's beautiful. They're both really good. Mission Impossible 2? Oh, my God, she was gorgeous. They've got to just stop showing up in straight-to-video movies. They have to. They're just going to completely devalue themselves. Um, Hayden Christensen, on the other hand, his day is done. That guy, I just, it's, it's over for him. He, he was supposed to be the next big thing, and then it uh, turns out he can't really act. So thank you, George Lucas. Thank you for inflicting him on us. Uh, you know what? This is, um, this is I don't know. It, 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 it's too cheaply made to be a real kind of post-apocalyptic end-of-the-world movie, and yet it's, 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 it's almost too much production value for a straight-to-video film. So I don't know what they're, uh, what they're really shooting for here. But um, it got acquired by Magnolia, and they've released it straight-to-DVD under their mag- magnet label. Uh, the Roommate was a thriller that hit theaters for about 10 seconds uh, earlier in the year. It, right at the beginning of the year, it's a standard January movie. It's like you know, fate, yet another uh, resurrection of Fatal Attraction mixed with a single white female for a generation that doesn't remember either of those movies, and uh, it does absolutely nothing new. And then uh, wrapping out all these uh, bad new movies is a Blu-ray and a DVD of Daydream Nation. Um, which is, a, you know what, I'm partial to this, Mark, and I'm partial actually to the Blu-ray because uh, it, it really is an interesting little film. And you know why it's an interesting film? Because the cast is a lot better than uh, the movie is. Uh, Kat Denning, who is in um, Thor, is, a, is just a, a great actress. And yeah, I, but you know, she just signed to do a TV show, which uh, was a little disappointing. It's disappointing because it's the only way these people can get consistent work. She's, uh, and, you know, Josh Lucas is always interesting. He's got that little dark edge to him. Good looking, but he's got a little kind of dark edge. And uh, I got to tell you, I really, really think uh, Kat Dennings is, is uh, she's the thing. She's the real deal. She's guess, got, she's got something great in her. And I, I hope that. Don't do TV. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Two Broke Girls, from writer-producer Ma- uh, Michael Patrick King, who did Sex and the City. She'll be starring in that show for CBS. Mm. Lame. Two Broke Girls. Lame. Well, anyway, Kat, uh, you know, this, and this is like a kind of a, I don't know, it's, a, it's like a, a teacher and, and teenage student uh, seduction scenario. There's nothing unique about it, but she's really good and he's good. And just for the acting alone, I would recommend people take a quick look at it. And then lastly, the Butcher Brothers have done The Violent Kind, which uh, I just, you know, I don't see the point they of. Call the Butcher Brothers. That means they're butchers. Look, it's, it's so uh, cool. yeah, right. I mean, it's you, you call yourselves the Butcher Brothers and you make these kinds of B-movies. It's ultra-violent that would have been complete and straight-up exploitation films in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, okay, fine, big deal, you know. Um, I don't know what the audience is for this. Uh, like, there isn't enough of that stuff to begin with. Wait, I bought an iPad 2 yesterday. Did you really? Yes, I did. Seriously? I did. Do you, have you played with it yet? Uh, I haven't received it. I got it from Apple.com. No kidding. It's going to take two, uh, one to two weeks to get to me. Oh, man. But sometimes I go into an Apple store and I say, do you have one? In which case, I'll buy it at the Apple store and then cancel my online order. There you go. Because I want one. You know why? Why? No idea why. Well. I with- just want a toy. You want a toy. That is my toy. Well, you want a toy, and uh, I think the rest of our listeners would like uh, a little time off from us for the rest of the week. So we're going to give it to them. See you next week.